welcome to another trip down the bourbon road with your hosts, Jim and Mike. So grab a glass of your favorite bourbon and kick back. We would like to thank our friends at Premium Bar Products for sponsoring this episode. If you're ready to step up your game at your home bar, check out premiumbarproducts.com to choose from their wide selection of glassware, all of which can be custom engraved with your personal message or logo. And there's no minimum order. So after the episode, head over to premiumbarproducts.com and check out everything they have to offer. Now, let's get on with the show. Hey, this is Big Chief from the Bourbon Road, and I'm coming to you from Oregon, Portland, Oregon, that is. And uh, we got a pretty special guest on. We are in Westward Whiskey Distillery here in downtown Portland, and I got Christian Krogstad on with me. He is the, I would call him the wicked wizard of whiskey of the West, I guess. And folks, you know, sometimes we say we're going to take that different road. Today, we're going to take a little bit different road, not the bourbon road. We're going to take a single malt road today, an American single malt, right, Christian? Yep, that's 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 what we do. Well, welcome to the bourbon road. Thank you. Uh, We appreciate you for having us in here. Um, I actually got my little brother Mitch on here. He's actually been a guest on the podcast before. So he's no stranger to this. He drank a little <laughs> bit of whiskey in his life. But thanks for having us in. You took us on a tour. You showed us your beautiful facility downtown here. Um, really close for the public to come in. Almost, It's almost like an urban bourbon uh, trail down here, but an urban whiskey trail down here in Portland. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we wanted to be accessible uh, to the public. We wanted to be, you know, walking distance to downtown. Um you know, obviously, we we don't store our barrels here. That's it's uh, you know, uh, urban environment isn't the best for uh, barrel storage. So we we keep our uh, rickhouse out in the country. But uh, this is a great place to to set up a distillery to to you know show people what we're doing and invite them into our house. Well, we usually like to get straight to the whiskey. So, All right. So, what's the first thing you got for us? You know. I, before we get to the whiskey, I thought we'd start with the new make. So this actually uh, is whiskey because we put it into a barrel for an hour just so that, you know, it fits the TTB uh, definition of whiskey. Sure. Um, but it's essentially our new make whiskey. So uh, white dog, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is off the still. Um, we're collecting at about uh, the aggregate is about 142 proof, but we cut it to 90 proof for tastings. Okay. Uh, we don't sell it. We just bottle it for, for tasting events. Man, Jim is going to be upset that he missed this because this is something he really loves. He always says it tastes like buttered popcorn. You know, and so every white dog's a little different. The reason we kind of like to show this off is that it really shows the, the fruit, the great, you know, fermentation characteristics from the ale yeast that we use. It shows the great cereal notes from the malted barley, um, but it's really clean. It's really actually a very pleasant drinkable. In fact, I sort of, I jokingly refer to it as barley eau de vie. Now you were talking about great nut cereal earlier, and that's what I kind of get on the nose on this, um, is if you ever had some warm grape nut cereal, mm-hmm. 
with like that little heavy cream in there oh. um, in the wintertime. Oh, that's good. what I get on this yeah. right here. I get the fruits, mm -hmm. um, maybe a little bit of uh, dark grape on that. Yeah. Yeah. And it sort of, it'll remind you too of like, um, you know, like a mezcal. Yeah. A little bit. Or like, a good silver tequila. You get know. a little bit of, maybe it's a heavy cream. I was talking about mm -hmm. buttery. Mm -hmm. Well, let's taste. I say cheers. Oh yeah. Cheers. I'm already tasting it. So. Very smooth. A little bit of pepper on the tongue there. Mm -hmm. Not too much. Um, almost like a little sweet spice, like a little bit of maybe um, a sweet jalapeno jelly. Yeah, I can see that. I hadn't noticed. I hadn't you know, identified it as that before, but I also get a, a really neat floral, kind of like a jasmine. I could get that jasmine. Mm -hmm. This is very beautiful. Jim, you're missing out, buddy. I, I wish you were here with me uh, doing this. <laughs> anyway, it's a fun one. Like I said, it's just uh, we put it in the in the lineup here at the tasting room just to, you know, so you can see the progression from, you know, see what the barrel does, see what age and, and esterification do. So let's get into how did you come up with the idea to found a distillery in Portland, Oregon? Um, well, I'm from the Northwest. I'm originally from Seattle and, and grew up home brewing in the eighties and, and, uh, sort of front row seat for that whole craft brewing renaissance that happened in, you know, largely in Seattle, Portland and Denver in the 1980s. And, um, then in 91, I decided to become a brewer, um, and I moved to Portland and knocked on doors uh, because in Portland in 1991, there were more, there were more breweries here than, than anywhere. There were like 14 breweries. Now there's, I think there are 80 breweries now in Portland, you know, a city of less than a million people. But, um, but it was, you know, it had the highest concentration of breweries. So I moved here, uh, got an apprenticeship more or less right away, uh, worked in brewing for the next 13 years. Um, went to brewing school in Chicago during that, that time. And, um, and then in my last, uh, my last brewing job, I managed a brewery, um, outside of Portland called the McMinimins Edgefield Brewery. Uh, I was the brewery manager and, uh, my buddy was the distillery manager. They had just brought in a, uh, a little Holstein, uh, still a little, I think it was like a 60 gallon pot, but, um, that's how I got involved in making whiskey. I was making the washes down at the brewery and, and, uh, we'd truck them up the hill to the distillery and my buddy would, you know, work all week to fill one barrel, um, this, uh, 60 gallon pot. Uh, and, uh, so I got to really see the process. I had always loved whiskey, um, from the first time I tasted, uh, whiskey when I was, you know, a kid, I was one, I grew up in one of those permissive households where my, you know, I always got a little wine or beer with dinner. And, you know, my father would always give me a little tiny thimble full of whatever bourbon or malt whiskey that he, he was drinking. So, uh, I was exposed from a young age, always loved it. And then when I got a chance to see actually how whiskey was made and I realized, uh, for malt whiskey, I was already doing the majority of it and making the beer. And, uh, I saw the rest helped out with the rest and decided what the heck I, I can do this. And so, um, left McMenamin's and 
started a little distillery. So we actually ate at Met Minimums um, at Forest Grove. Oh yeah, yeah, the Grand Lodge there. <laughs> yeah, that's a um, former um, Mason's. I think Mason's, Mason's Lodge, old, yeah. old folks home. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty neat. Haunted, yeah. haunted, haunted. Yeah, by the Lavender Queen, maybe or something. Like that. <laughs> sure, I'm sure there. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a good story. Fine goat. Fine goat. Yeah, it was just it was neat to eat there and hear about that story. Yeah. So the ties you have to that, it kind of sinks home that we oh, yeah. had a pretty good place. Yeah, they're a great company. Uh, they started up, they were uh, maybe the second craft uh, brewery in Oregon in like 1984. And, and now they have a chain of you know pubs and breweries and they do some really great work in uh, like historical preservation. They took an old poor farm. That's what the Edgefield was. And... Uh, you know, back before the 1920s, uh, you know, indigent people could go to a farm and you'd be taken care of, but you, you work and learn a trade and whatnot. And, um, uh, but that was closed down. Uh, derelict was going to get, you know, bulldozed and they bought it and put up a hotel and, and winery, brewery, distillery. It's a really cool, cool place. So why, before we taste our next one, why single malt? instead of bourbon or rye yeah, or something like that. Yeah, you know, it's almost, uh, it never even occurred to me to make bourbon. Uh, we are, we don't grow a lot of corn around here. This is where the Pacific Northwest is where we grow essentially all of the malting barley, of the two row malting barley in the country is grown, Washington, Oregon, Western Montana, Idaho, and, um, and it's also, you know, a craft brewing hub. And so, you know, I, you know, got into this. My whole career was making beer from malted barley, loudering, you know, fermenting off the grain. And so this is all the, the initial process for making malt whiskey. Um, and also it's, you know, we don't really, we didn't have a tradition, uh, a whiskey tradition in the Northwest. Sure. Uh, we had a whiskey drinking tradition, but not a whiskey making tradition. And so there wasn't this sort of incumbency of bourbon here. So, so everything just pointed to, to malt whiskey. Um, and of course, you know, why did they grow? Why did they make bourbon in, in Kentucky and Tennessee? It's because they didn't have malts. You know, those people were coming from, uh, you know, Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, distillers coming from Europe were had been making malt whiskey, and they came to the colonies and started making rye whiskey because rye grew better than malt. And then they moved across the Appalachian Mountains and they started making bourbon whiskey because corn grew there. And you know, so that made sense to make rye whiskey in, you know, Pennsylvania, New York. It made sense to make bourbon in Kentucky, Tennessee, and makes sense to make malt whiskey in the Pacific Northwest. Well, it definitely makes sense to me. You know, we spent a week on the coast uh, fishing, and um, when I think of the sea, I kind of do think of malted whiskey, you know, because um, Scotland yeah, and, and yeah. Ireland are both pretty much sea nation. Maritime right? climate. Yeah. yeah. So it makes sense here too. Even though you're in Portland, you're about two hours away from the coast. Yeah, about that. Um, but still driving to the coast, you could see uh, <clears throat> barley, you could see wheat fields for miles and yeah. miles and miles, especially here in the valley and stuff. Yeah. 
Um, and then we saw some hops, and then one thing I didn't know was from here was hazelnuts. Hazelnut There's trees are everywhere. This is the this, yep. This is the top hazelnut growing region in the world. Huh. I didn't even know some of those hazelnuts go to make Nutella uh, chocolate, and I was like, "Wow, that, this this is neat right here, mm -hmm. straight up neat." Well, let's taste your the yeah. what's the first whiskey you got for us. So the first the, is our flagship, the original Westward American single malt, um, and you know we conform to the uh, American Single Malt Whiskey Commission standard of identity. So uh, you know it's hundred percent malted barley. Um, and uh, you know, distilled to less than 160 proof, uh, aged in in you know oak containers. Uh, uh, we use um, full size, you know, 53 gallon uh, new uh, light to medium char, two char barrels. Um, but uh, it's almost like a, I, I would say it's almost like a hybrid between Scotch and bourbon because we're making a, a you know. We're making a beer like a craft brewery, and then we're distilling it, double pot distilling it like they would in Scotland, and then we're aging it in new charred oak barrels like like a, a bourbon. So it's kind of we sort of take almost like the best of each tradition, um, and what you're going to really get in here, you're going to get a lot of fruit on the nose. Um, the fruit is from fermentation, uh, mostly, you know, we're using an ale yeast rather than a, a, the, the normal uh, distiller's yeast, that diastaticus that most people use, uh, which is more, the, the distiller's yeast is more efficient, but we just like the flavors, the fruit essences of the ale yeast um, and what we get from that. So you get a lot of fruit on the nose. Um, it's very clean. Um, it's uh, then on the palate, it's very robust, big, like just, I would say explosion of flavor, but um, uh, very mouth coating, uh, creamy almost. You'll see, you know, kind of see that from what you saw from the uh, white dog, uh, was, which was very creamy, very, very uh, textural. So that's really the, the, the main kind of, what I really like to highlight about the the uh, our flagship, the Westward uh, American Single Malt, is is it's got it's got this texture for days. Cool. Uh, yeah, so cheers. Well, yeah, cheers! Give it a try and see what you think. That's really nice. Thank <clears throat> you. Definitely different than what I expect out of a single malt because most people would think I'm going to get that smoky. Scotch, where yeah. um, you don't get that with this at all. There's yeah. no smokiness to it. There's that uh, almost a very uh, like candy caramel. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's you know it's it's an interesting thing. You know, there's so there's some. Um, yeah, let's talk about the sort of that breakdown of of you know sort of brewed like a, a craft pale ale. Distilled like a, a Scottish single malt, aged like a, a, a bourbon, and and what that does for you, and 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 I'll, you end up getting these flavors that are recognizable to everyone. So a Scotch drinker would taste this and go, "Well, it doesn't have that peat smoke in it, but it's got that nice cereal that I like." And and a bourbon drinker would taste it and go, "Well, it doesn't have that." Uh, 
sweet corn thing, but it's, you know, got the barrel, like it's got a recognizable flavor from the barrel. Uh, and that was something, you know, a lesson I learned back early on in the eighties, uh, you know, Sierra Nevada brewery down in Chico is sort of one of my, I don't know, uh, benchmark breweries. And, and what they really brought to the market was this realization that, um, you know, in, at the beginning of the craft brewing movement, everyone was trying to replicate or copy uh, European beer styles. But it turns out, you know, Americans have their own, have a different palate than European consumers. So Americans didn't want warm, you know, relatively flat uh, pale ales. They wanted cold carbonated. And so they, they called it American pale ale because it wasn't um, British pale ale. They really wanted to differentiate it. And so likewise, you know, creating a single malt whiskey for the American palate. Well, the American palate's been drinking bourbon for all these years. It's accustomed to that bigger, sweeter vanilla caramel quality from the barrel. And so all we did was sort of marry that with this really aromatic, uh, nutty, textural spirit from the grain. And, you know, Bob's your uncle. It's, I know. You get a little bit of that. Uh, I've been saying this a lot. A little bit of peanut brittle on that. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I've been saying that lately. I don't know why. Or, or kettle corn from this, even though it doesn't have any corn in it's it. It's got definitely got that, and that's that caramel. Yeah, that caramel. Um, and the floral notes in this is just straight up amazing. I I love it. Um, this could get a man in trouble, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I um, it's got a really nice finish. Um, really long, sort of peppery, tingly finish. And it's the sort of thing, this is what I always strive for when I was making beer, when I cook a meal, whatever, I want you to, when you finish a glass of my beer or our whiskey, to immediately want another. Like that's the goal. Well, that's what a long finish is, right? To me is it sets on your palate and just, mm -hmm. it's, it's calling for you to say, hey, go ahead and pour yourself another glass because I'm not good. Um, and I don't give this out that much. I don't usually say that this much. But what I would say is this would be perfect beside a fire. Even like last night when we sat down and we we uh, sitting by a campfire, this would be perfect for that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's um, um, it's not a uh, you know I I'm I'm definitely don't ever want uh, one of my whiskeys or beers or whatever to be referred to as an acquired taste. Yeah, it's you know, definitely not acquired taste. And, I think this could be an introduction to people to any yeah. kind of American whiskey. Yeah. Um, it, it can open that door where you might be a wine drinker, a sweet wine drinker or something, and you want to have that uh, sweet wine. This could definitely open that door. Now, it's a little bit more proof. What's the proof on this? It's, it's 90. That, that's a perfect for a wine drinker. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a proof that's drinkable. It's mixable. Um, it's a whiskey that you can sit down and really analyze and, 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 and dissect, or you can just drink it and not think about it. You know, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't require, um, uh, reverence. It's good for a, a person that's not, I think a whiskey drinker yeah, either, absolutely. um, where they, 
typically don't like those harsh tones. It mm -hmm. doesn't have that. It doesn't have a very big hug on it at all. And I think that's because you guys are tip. You're a sweet mash, mm -hmm. um, so that doesn't give you that that such that burn, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and you know, it's it's uh, like I said, it's it. You don't have to. You don't have to write a dissertation on it. You can just you can enjoy it. Um, and, uh, uh, or you can spend a bunch of time and, and it's, uh, but that doesn't mean it's light or, or simple. It's very complex. It's very robust, very rich, but, but at the same time, very, very drinkable. Well, I'd say congratulations on you. you Thank you. Coming up with this yourself. You uh, <clears throat> definitely put something out. I, I don't say that lightly. This is, uh, when I say it's a, not an entry level whiskey it's more of a hey i'm gonna bring you into the whiskey world yeah. and i'm gonna blow your socks off kind of whiskey that's how good i think this is yeah and it's it's a i mean i i really hope it brings people into new categories i love i love introducing people to new flavors especially people who you know maybe you know their first and only exposure to um, uh, single malt has maybe been a, you know, a, a Lafroig or a, or a Ardbeg or something like that. That is a little bit more of an acquired taste because of the, the levels of peat. And then they're just like, oh no, scotch isn't for me. Um, whereas I think that this is, uh, uh, you know, we really, we're trying to, to make uh, approachable, but very flavorful whiskeys. So for our last whiskey on this half, you actually have a uh, something else for us. What do you have? We got a couple more things, but we're going to drink those on the second. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the next one. So this uh, is our stout cask finish, and this is really um, an homage to our, our our brewing heritage and our brewing region. So this is such a great region for beer. We have, like I said, about eighty breweries in Portland. We have four hundred, I think, in Oregon. And everyone on in the production staff, you know, comes out of brewing for the most part, uh, wine or beer, and uh, and so the way this came about, you know, as as so many of these things do, almost by accident, uh, about six, seven, um, more than that, eight years ago, um, a, a brewery here in town called Migration Brewing uh, called up um, our. Um, our lead distillers named Miles Monroe. He used to work there. They called him to see if we had any uh, used uh, whiskey barrels for aging their Imperial Stout. And so we thought, yeah, we just we just dumped a barrel and bottled it up. Let's give them this barrel. They put their Imperial Stout in it. We didn't, and then we that was the end, you know we thought that was the end of the story. But um, about a year later, they bottled up their their stout and then they called us up and said, what which do we do with this? Barrel, do you, you want it back? Should we just get rid of it? And we thought, oh, what the hell? Let's try um, doing a, a stout cask finish. And so we got the, the barrel back, um, uh, put some uh, still aging. I think at that point it was maybe about a three year whiskey in it, uh, finished it for another year and a half, roughly. And uh, we just loved the results. And so we don't steam our barrels, so they're really wet with whiskey. There's a you know a couple gallons of whiskey in the staves when the brewery gets them, 
So they get a big impact from the whiskey. And then when we get them back, you know, we don't, we just give them a little rinse out. Um, uh, but it's amazing. It's sort of the magic of distilling is, you know, there's a lot of science that goes into this. Like we understand a lot of fermentation and aging and, and so forth. But then there's things that uh, we just don't, you know, that nobody are, knows. That nobody knows. And, and so what happened in that year that the stout was working on the wood, it really changed the nature of the wood. And so where the, the first, uh, the flagship, you know, the, the Westward American single malt is very robust, sweet, rich. Uh, you put that very same whiskey in a, uh, in a used stout cask for a year, year and a half. It dries it out. It gives it much more structure. It's almost like a little more elegant. Um, and, and you get a little bit of that, a uh, little bit of the uh, sort of coffee chocolate on the nose, a little bit on the finish, but on the palate, it's just much more sort of pecan, toffee. Well, hey, so, yeah. cheers. Cheers. I get that that toffee taste on this. This is a, a little bit different. I do get a little bit of smokiness on that. I'm not sure if that's from the beer itself. Yeah, maybe a little uh, smoky, a little burnt. Just a little, just a tad bit of uh, spice on this, a little bit more spice to it. I think that spice is sticking with me over the mid-palate. On the back, still none of that. Big hug, right? Um, yeah. And that's from that sweet mash, I think. Yeah. And this one's 92 proof. Okay. So we go just a little bit higher on that. Um, just this like would it. even be better by the campfire because it's got <laughs> that little bit of smokiness with it. Uh, the sweetness would be that toasted marshmallow. Mm -hmm. um, maybe on a graham cracker. That's a, without the chocolate, not too much chocolate on this, but... Very complex, layered whiskey. Man, you're, you're just blowing me out of the park here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, our, our bourbon drinkers are going to have to definitely grab some of these bottles. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, I've always found that, you know, whiskey drinkers drink whiskey, you know, and they might have a preference for bourbon or for malt or for, you know, Canadian or Japanese or whatever. But, but I think... Um, um, they definitely cross categories. Well, listeners, you hang with us. Um, like I said, we're here at Westward Whiskey Distillery in Portland, Oregon with Christian. And uh, when we come back, he still has, I'm looking on the table here, four more pours for us. And one of those pours, you guys are going to know that I'm just going to geek out about it. I'm pretty sure it's got a little bit of weed in it. So the Weedy King of Kentucky, uh, they pulled out a special bottle for me. So hang with us. We'll be right back. Well, you know, you can't drink whiskey without glassware. And Mike and I are extremely pleased to have a sponsor like Premium Bar Products. Premium Bar Products offers direct-to-consumer the finest whiskey glasses, cocktail glasses, and bar tools 
with your own personal engraving. I mean, you can write anything you want on these glasses, anything from a company logo to a personal statement, and there are no minimum orders. Their direct consumer platform offers you the opportunity to purchase small quantities of your favorite glass shapes that enhance the pleasure of enjoyment and drinking of whiskey and make it all very positive. They offer the absolute finest trending and handmade glasses as well as a comprehensive range of styles and all of their items have been designed with purpose, practicality, and longevity in mind. So if you're a bourbon or whiskey group and you need custom logos, you need to reach out to Premium Bar Products. If you're an individual, you just want a few for your bar, to impress your friends, to give out as gifts, you need to call Premium Bar Products. They need to be your one and only source for custom glassware. I can tell you right now, the Bourbon Road, that's who we use. Janie and Carson and the team there at Premium Bar Products will take care of you. They'll treat you like family and they'll take care of you with every order. All right, listeners. I'm back here at Westward Whiskey Distillery in Portland, Oregon. I got Christian with me, their founder, um, the distiller, like I said, the wicked wizard of the West for whiskey. Um, he has poured up some amazing pours so far, and hopefully the second half won't disappoint. We are down a different road today. We're taking a, a trip down a single malt road, American single malt at that. A uh, little bit different than what you would expect coming out of Europe. Um, this is definitely a way different lane. And if you don't, if you get a chance to come out here to Portland, recommend you stop by here, taste the whiskey, you see it in the store, pick it up definitely. So, Christian, what do you got to start out the second half with? Well, we're going to try um, another finish, a finished whiskey. Um, and, uh, you know, I get asked a lot, you know, for instance, why don't we make a, uh, why don't we use sherry barrels or port casks? It's because we're not in Europe and, you know, the Scots are already doing that. We're going to let them have that. Sure. They got it. You know, we got to leave them something. But what we do have in the Northwest, we have this fantastic brewing industry. That's where that, that uh, stout cask finished uh, westward came from. Also, you... I think you uh, drove through it uh, on your way out to the coast. We have a fantastic wine industry. We grow Pinot Noir in the Willamette Valley, some of the best in the world. It's really up there with the Burgundy uh, region. And uh, so instead of shipping barrels halfway across the, the world for a finishing, we, uh, we've partnered up with some of our friends in, in the Oregon Pinot industry, and we're getting casks from them for finishing. So um, again, this is the Westward original whiskey that is then finished uh, in a uh, French oak wine barrel, Pinot barrel. And, and typically these barrels are used for about six years for making uh, wine. They'll, they'll, each vintage will get two years in the barrel and they'll typically use a barrel three times before they're done with it. And then we get the barrel from them. We, we rinse it out to get the, the husk material out there, the little odds and ends. But um, again, the, the wine has really um, had a big impact on the oak. 
Um, it's a different type of oak. It's a you know French oak rather than the American white oak. So we have a combination of tannins here. You'll see that there's nice soft tannins from the, the Pinot casks uh, along with the, the American white oak tannins. So it's a it's not a it's not a drying character, but it's a very active on your palate. It's very lively on the palate. I get a lot of honey in this nose. Yeah, yeah. So the nose is really great. You you get some honey. Uh, I always get some like um, dried fruit, like dried uh, citron, orange peel, candied orange peel. I mean, it smells amazing. Let's tell you, I say cheers. Yeah. I gotta yeah, cheers. Some you gotta try it. Once again, yeah, you're just you're batting a thousand right now. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, you get you know it's it's really interesting. The you know the uh, the grapes have been in there, so of course you're going to get some sort of raisin dried fruit quality. You get some sort of prune plum. Uh, you get a lot of fruit, really neat fruit qualities to it, um, and uh, and it kind of finishes a little sweet. Um, which I like. I got a sweet tooth, I gotta admit. So you, you got a pot still out there. It's yep. got a swan's neck on it. Yep. Take it out of that, then you put in your original steel. Yeah. How many barrels are you guys doing a day? We're filling five. Five, you, five and a half barrels a day. And you're working yeah. five days a week. Yeah. So yeah. you're somewhere in the so 25, we're getting 27, 28 barrels a week. Yeah. And how long does your standard whiskey age? About four and a half to five and a half years. And then how depending. long would you put it enough, finish it in this? Uh, generally a year to a year and a half. And what about yeah. in the beer barrels? How long? Yeah, uh, so a year and a half uh, in, in the Pinot, usually about a year in the, in the stout casks. Yeah. And you'd already said you used 53 gallon barrels, yeah. but how far away is your, your warehouse or your rick house? Your beer? It's about uh, 12 miles. And how many barrels do you guys have in there? Uh, about 5,000. And what, are you at capacity right now? Or? No, no, we've got room in there for close to 10,000 barrels. 10,000 barrels. But you're still a craft distillery, right? Yeah. You're yeah. still, I mean, you still live in the American dream, American <laughs> success story to me, it looks like. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I, it's funny the question about the, you know, um, uh, I had this discussion with Jerry Ruvo, who is the uh, former chairman of Campari, who is the, 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 the mastermind of Campari's uh, purchase of the Austin Nichols distillery. And, and he, you know, uh, he really uh, insists, and I agree with him, that they're a craft distillery too. You know, they're, they're out there, they're, they're managing their forests and, you know, uh, you know, they pay attention to what they're doing. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so we are a craft distillery. When I think of craft distillery, this is what a craft distillery Okay, is. sure, yeah. sure. Uh, you know, it's, I wouldn't call you a mom and pop. Like definitely not that, but you're, you're still, it, you, the grain comes in the back door. Mm -hmm. uh, you got your staff back there. Your grain, your liquid doesn't go out the, the, a second back door to go be bottled somewhere else. You got your folks down back there uh, bottling themselves. They're yep. actually taking and labeling themselves. Um, yeah. You're doing you, it all in house, right? Yeah, here. exactly. And you can see the whole, you know, the whole sweep of the place in, in, you know, a couple minutes walking around. 
very, very modern building. I would kind of expected something like this out of Portland, really. Um, very modern, high ceilings. And that's that sound we get in here, very high ceiling rooms and stuff. But still a working distillery. And, you know, you were walking to the distillery and I could see you're, you're very proud of this place. And I'm sure you must be. Oh, yeah. Right? Because yeah, you told me what you started with. Yeah. And it, probably a scary time in your life to, to invest everything you have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and mortgage, you know, second mortgage on the house and eventually credit card debt, you know. Now, that's what you got to do to. You're a married man, right? I am. I am. Married still. for a long time? Uh, we've been together for a little over 30 years. 30. Well, well congratulations. Thank that, you. Not a lot of people in America could say that. <laughs> well, you know, we, uh, we're, we're, we're a great team. Now, what was the thought process when you started this? <laughs> you mean with my wife? Yeah. Well, uh, that's a great, I, this is why it worked and why we were able to, uh, to do this was she was working the sort of soulless corporate job that provided a regular income and regular salary and medical benefits and i was out there rolling the dice with the with the family's future trying to build something uh you know long term now does she ever come in here and oh yeah all the time drink the whiskey and yeah. stuff her business cards say mother of it all mother of, i love it the mother of it all <laughs> so she's been on board like a good marriage would be yeah. on board with your dreams and yeah. your, your passion for this whiskey um, oh yeah and she's passionate about it as well yeah that to me, that's just a, you are the American dream, You're the American <laughs> dream and stuff. Well, hey, a great finished bourbon right there. Um, maybe even more so for those red wine drinkers out there. That yeah, it's a neat one, and and we're working with some of the some of the icons of the Oregon uh, Pinot Noir industry. You know, we're working with like Josh Bergstrom, with uh, Craig McClellan, uh, some great you know great. Oregon Pinot producers and and uh, and it's fun. They they get a kick out of seeing what what happens with their barrels when they're done with them. Very dark whiskey. It, we were walking around. I noticed that your bottle had changed. We were talking about the glass shortage that has mm -hmm. been on. But so you guys changed bottles in the midst of all that. Yeah, yeah. Which was was probably <laughs> painstaking, right? It was. We. Uh, we got our first load of glass before things, you know, went all went haywire. Um, and then ever since then, it's just been waiting, you know, sitting on pins and needles, waiting for the next load of corks or glass or whatever. It's the supply chain's been messed up. I, was, I complimented the, you guys on your, I was, they were back there labeling bottles and I picked a bottle up and, and, uh, I really do love your bottle. It, it's a great shape. It's your very own shape. I don't. I haven't seen yeah, another yeah, bottle a, out there that has this. Yeah, that's a custom custom mold. Um, and then your label is very simplified. Um, there's not a lot on there, but everything you need to know about the whiskey is on there. There's no secrets. Um, you know, to me, that's very nice. I mean, this one even gives the how many bottles. It yeah. Was pretty yeah, on there. Yeah, and you you know if you want more detail you can always go to our website and there's tons more information if you know but most people don't you know most people don't want the all the details but for the people who do they can 
check. They, you know, we try to be as transparent as possible. We don't have a lot of secrets. We'll tell you what yeast strains we're using. We'll tell you what our grain bill is. We'll tell you where we bought our grain, what yeast strain we're using. We'll tell you uh, what barrels we're using, how long we're aging, um, you name it. There's not a lot we won't disclose. I saw some independent stave barrels back there, yeah. some Kelvin Cooperage. Kelvin Cooperage, um, yeah. And then your steel comes from Vendo right yeah. down the street from my office. So that, that's a, you know, that's home right there yeah. in Kentucky. So, you know, kind of, this is almost a marriage between bourbon and scotch. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's, this is a, a, this is American single malt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, super, I don't know how else to put it. Super, <laughs> super beautiful from other single malts I've had in America um, that are trying to replicate um, some of that scotch. You're not trying to replicate yeah. it. Yeah. You're trying to make your own. own yeah, path. yeah, yeah. I love scotch. I, you know, uh, I drink a lot of scotch. I buy a lot of Scottish malt whiskeys, but I just figure, you know, if you want, a bottle of Talisker, go buy a bottle of Talisker. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a fool's errand to try to cop rip them off. Sure. Um, that we have an opportunity, not just an opportunity, but really a mandate to try to do something innovative and new, bring something new to the conversation. Cause if, if we're just a, a me too, you know, trying to be Scotch in America, that's just not very interesting. So what's the next whiskey? Next one is a cask strength. So we like to show it off at cast strength uh, as well. Um, so this will be 125 proof. Uh, we do not, so we have a pretty unique, fantastic climate for, for raising a, a you know, world-class whiskey. You know, in the summer, if you've noticed it, it gets warm, but it's quite dry, low humidity. So we you know, lose a little bit of water in the summer and then in the winter, it's uh, it's very moist, but doesn't get usually doesn't get below zero or below freezing zero Celsius, uh, and so over the course of uh, say five years aging, we have a slight increase in proof. Usually, you know, we we our barrel proof is about uh, 124. We'll get up to 127, 128 um, over the course of you know five years. Uh, and our angel share over that period is only about 12%. And that's here in the valley. Yeah. Because it yeah. was extremely hot here last week. Yeah, that's rare. That's really rare. So, yes, it did get. And maybe with, um, you know, global climate change, we're going to have a larger angel share and a greater uptake, uh, you know, as things get hotter. But... Um, we'll see. But again, you know, I, uh, I like to show this one off as well, just like with the um, with showing off the white dog, because, you know, you really see how drinkable it is at 125 proof. It's it doesn't drink like 125. Well, it's a good thing we're taking Uber. I'll say cheers. Let's mm. taste this thing. Cheers. That's definitely 125 proof. Yeah, you can definitely you can taste you can taste it, but it's also yeah really you can still drink it. Buttery. Yeah. Uh, it's got a little bit of spice to it. Mm -hmm. um, just a tad bit of a Kentucky hug, but I I think that's more the proof. Um, maybe a little bit of barrel spice to this. Mm -hmm. um, 
it doesn't bite me though. It, it's very complex, man. And I love barrel strength whiskeys because you get to true taste what the master distiller is really going for. You know, um, I always try to say that I, I like that. What's the way I like whiskey is the way the the distiller meant for it to be, right? Um, <coughs> that's just me. I like yeah. to drink it neat. Yeah. Out of a glass, and I like to kind of think, oh man, what was he or she thinking when they decided to make it this way? Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting to see, like most people don't ever taste a barrel strength uh, whiskey, and so um, you know, for most people, their experience with Westward is going to be at ninety proof, uh, or maybe in a cocktail at a lower proof. Once again, you're still back with Faust. You haven't disappointed wow. that's, me yet. That's good. That's I, I. I could probably find something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I even I even tasted your gin out there, and I, uh, I was like, man, that's that's actually a lot of aromatics and stuff in it. But this is a super beautiful whiskey. Uh, you should be very proud of thank you. everything I've drank here so far. Is is just stunning to me. Uh, I can't say enough good things about it. And I'm not just saying that because you got us in here. Uh, I truly mean that when I'm talking about whiskey and stuff. I did my homework on you. I looked you up. Enough people said so many nice things about you. And I was like, I gotta, I really gotta meet this guy and, and meet what's going on here. And I'm probably gonna geek out a little bit here in a minute, folks. Uh, <laughs> there's a bottle on here and it has the word weed on it. So, um, man, I'm, I'm excited. This, but the the barrel strength, if you can come in here, is this the only place that our listeners could get this is in your no, shop? No, no. Um, <clears throat> so the first three that we tasted are, are more or less widely distributed. Um, the cask strength, you can uh, get through our website, um, and that's distributed in different states by different, you know, how that works. It's going to be either... You know, maybe Flaviar or Caskers or or somebody like that. Sure. Uh, uh, fulfilling that. So you are in a lot of states, maybe like Caskers. Yeah, I, yeah. We direct we directly distribute in just a handful of states, but then then yeah, we're eco. I mean, with with uh, I think in you know April of last year, uh, you know, our sales fell off a cliff as most people's did. Mm -hmm. We were pre-pandemic, we were highly focused on premise because uh, we, you know, we're sort of old school that way. That's, you know, how brands are built, right? They're sure. built in a bar or in a restaurant where you've got sampling taking place and a bartender or some sort of gatekeeper making recommendations. And so we had really made uh, a lot of effort to uh, make inroads into that into that world, and and but that went away on you know in in uh, March of uh, of last year, and and so we had to pivot really quickly and figure out what we were going to do, and and we just embraced uh, e-commerce and and you know made a functioning website and and made sure that it was available uh, more broadly available, and we're, we're really pleasantly surprised how how people have responded to that. So I'm, I'm, I'm not stoked. I'm stoked to see what, so what's this last expression you well, got for we us? We got two actually, two, two more. more. Oh man. Yeah, so there's this, uh, another finish, which is the Tempranillo. 
So uh, again, an Oregon Tempranillo, a buddy of mine uh, called me up one day and he said, hey, do you, you know, I've got a, I've got a puncheon, which is a, a 500 liter um, barrel. Um, so a large barrel, it's what, a, a 120 gallon, something like that, that he had used for uh, fermenting and finishing his Tempranillo, which Tempranillo is a, is a grape from um, central Spain. Uh, uh, it has some great uh, dark fruit qualities. Uh, it's a red, red grape Tempranillo. That's what goes into making like Riojas. Um, but he had, he had a you know large barrel that had a, a warped uh, head on it, so he couldn't use it anymore. Uh, he's, you want it? And I said, sure. You know, usually I get myself into trouble a lot by just I say yes a lot, uh, and then I try to figure out how to deal with it. So we got this barrel in and uh filled it up with uh, again um some some aged westward and uh finished it uh this is actually from the second refill of that barrel the first filling we only aged it for about seven months got this intense red color to it um even though we cleaned it out um and this is the second that we bottled that this is the second filling uh which we aged for about a year and a half in that so you still get this great, like um, a red currant, uh, dried red cherry, dried cherry kind of quality. A lot of sort of red fruit. Uh, we used to palate. eat these uh, plums called hog plums mm -hmm. uh, from Texas, and I can remember that hog so, plum jelly mama make. I get a little bit of that hog plum in there. I get the candied citrus. A little bit of that, like a sweet cherry tobacco, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like almost like, like sarsaparilla. Yeah, a little bit of spice on there. We always say whorehound whore candy. Yeah. Well, heck, let's taste this mm -hmm. thing. Cheers! You already you're already mm -hmm. sipping away mm -hmm. on me. You, you man that loves his own whiskey. Oh yeah, well, you know. So you know it's not poison because wow. I drank it first. Very light on the palate, mm -hmm. lighter than I thought it was going to be. I thought it would have more of a punch to it, right? But it, no bite at all. I I could actually drink this as an after dinner whiskey, almost a dessert whiskey. Um, I think that would be very a little bit of smoke, smokiness to it, but very very beautiful expression. Thank you. I'm just thinking about how big that barrel really is because I think it says, I could be wrong here, but it says 500 liters. Yeah, 500 liters, 120 gallons. 120 gallons. Yeah. A puncheon. Yeah. That's a pretty good size barrel. I've seen yeah. some other people use that size of yeah, barrel. Yeah, that's before. like the size of the sherry. So, a sherry yep. butt is, yep. I think, maybe 550 liters. Something I've like seen that. some guys at Iron Root and Balconies mm -hmm. up yeah. in their warehouses. They'll, they'll have one laying around here, there. Yeah. They're fun to work with. I mean, that, that's, you know, we didn't get into this. No, no one here got into this because they wanted a routine. Every day is the same as the next. Uh, we do a lot of experiments. We do a lot of development, a lot of innovation. And, in, and everyone, it's not just, it's not, it's not a top-down sort of thing. In fact, I sort of uh, refer to it as a... Uh, it's a distilling commune because everyone kind of make does a lot of their own things. There's 
there's experiments in the rickhouse that I don't even know about. Really? You know, and that, that, uh, you know, we, everyone chips in, everyone gets to kind of play around and, and have their input. Uh, I think it works out pretty well. Well, now you're going to crack this bottle right right here. Yeah. So I just opened this Westward American two malts whiskey. So, um, you know, we are, uh, uh, one of the founding, um, members of the American single malt whiskey commission. And we're, we're very much on board with the, the mission of that, which is to promote American single malt and to have, we're petitioning the TTB to create a standard of identity to add the, um, Add American single malt to the standards of identity, um, and so as such, you know, uh, uh, a single malt has to be 100% malted barley. This is uh, a mash of uh, 70% Northwest two row uh, pale pale malt and 30% uh, hard red malted wheat. Um, so it's almost like it started its life as a, almost like a Hefeweizen, um, again, uh, using our house, the, the Sierra Nevada or Chico ale, ale yeast strain, uh, fermented for, um, six days at, uh, about 76 degrees Fahrenheit, double pot distilled, aged in the same, you know, Number two, char, new American white oak, you know, Kelvin Cooperage barrels. Uh, the difference being the, the malted wheat. Well, heck, let's get this and stuff I, let's, in the glass. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's I don't, I don't want to torture you. Right well, I know now. our listeners are probably thinking yeah. Big Chief's just geeking out right now. Anything with wheat in it. Anything with wheat. Wheated beer. But the wheat really comes through on this. Here, I'll, I'll pour you a little more because I know you're going to love it. Um, I was try- I was trying to think of a way to sneak that bottle, out. <laughs> <We> can, <laughs> but uh, I probably can't get the 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 open one on the airplane now. And I think that's it. the only one of this distillery. You had asked the uh, oh yeah, the front of the like, house. Oh no, that's oh, gone. gone. Oh, that's you were like, long gone. I don't know. I can't tell you how many distillery owners or uh, or master distillers. Somebody they'll tell them, hey. Tell somebody to go get a bottle, and they're like, "Oh, we don't have any of that." And then they're like, "I'll be right back." <laughs> and then they'll go disappear. They'll come back with a couple of bottles yeah. and be like, oh, "I got my own secret little stash." I know where the bodies are buried. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, you think it's many? I get the same floral notes are coming from that wheat. Very soft. Mm. Yeah, you kind of get a dusty rose, dusty floral. Yeah, some people said rose don't roses don't have a smell, but roses to me, that old saying, smell the roses, is there for a reason. There's definitely oh, roses, yeah. uh, the smell to a rose, and oh, I can get yeah. that dusty rose on there. Well, heck, I say let's cheers. Let's, yeah, let's taste cheers. this thing. Wow, super complex. The sweetness is there. A little bit of that barrel spice coming through, not gonna just blow your socks off with spice. Um, 
almost a little bit of sweet, a little tartness there, like a, a maybe a sweet tart. Heck, we ate some sweet tarts on the way over here. Um, just that little bit of bite from that sweet tart. That's what I'm getting, tart cherry or something. Mm -hmm. Buttery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I haven't, uh, it's been a little while since I revisited this one. Yeah, I'm, I always get a little, um, little sort of white peach nectarine on it as well. I must have like a blind spot to mint because on the, you know, the, the original Westward single malt, I probably have 20% of the people who taste it say, you know, come back and say, oh, it's got, it really has this mint quality to it. I'm like, I don't get it. But so many people say that, that it's like, well, I, I guess it's, it's gotta be there. Or it's gotta be, you know, you're more sensitive to that mint quality, that camphor. I just get a, a really sweet, like almost a Flintstone cereal on this mm -hmm. or something. Um, that fruitiness is just, there's all kinds of fruit notes in this. Um, floral notes, that honeysuckle's coming out, that sweetness. That uh, you used to get those little bite of honey. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I get a little bite of honey mm. in there and stuff. I and, like those. Are those gone? Or are they? No, I think they're still out there. You get a place like Cracker Barrel or something mm. like that. Um, a very beautiful whiskey came out with. I'm very shocked at a weeded uh, two malt. Yeah, two malts. Two yeah. malts. Um, but yeah, I was going to ask you, and I kind of know the answer to this, but so on your label, you have Westward. Why Westward? Well, you know, it's, it's you know, the American West, especially, you know, the, the coast is very much... Um, you know, the product of the westward expansion and, and you know, the, the pioneering pilgrim, not pilgrim, pioneering uh, spirit. And, and uh, uh, you know, this is the end of actually just a few miles from here is the end of the Oregon Trail. Yeah, we saw the sign for it. Yeah, so, so you, yeah, if you drove by that sign that you were within half a mile of our Rick House. Oh, really? So that's where our rickhouse is. And then I noticed on the, the arrow going through the W. What's yeah. that for? Uh, it points to the west. Okay. Well, you know, I see that. It's a weather vane. And then you got the, uh, these are the Cascade Mountains. Some, yeah, there. Cascades. Yeah, here we're situated between the, the Cascade Mountains and the Coast Range. Um, the Coast Range is, is you know, uh, continental, you know, subduction zone. Um, it's uplift from the Pacific running underneath the North American, uh, plate. And then the Cascade mountains are formed by the, the heat, uh, the magma rising from that subduction zone. And, and so there are a lot, much, the Cascade mountains are much more jagged, much rougher, much higher. Um, yeah, it's a great two active volcanoes right here, Mount Hood and Mount St. Helens. Um, well, actually we've got, uh, yeah, right here. And then up along, you know, up. In Washington, you've got Mount Baker is active uh, or is, you know, semi-active, uh, Mount Rainier as well, uh, Mount Adams. There are all these sort of iconic um, uh, volcanoes. Yeah, just a beautiful setting for, and you're right here on the river. Yeah, we're on the Willamette River. Um, and just super beautiful. I, I can't get over <clears throat> the beauty here in, in Oregon. and. Um, 
I'm, I gotta say thanks for having us in. Yeah. Let me try all your expressions. I super appreciate it. Where can our listeners uh, find you on social media? Well, you know, we're at uh, Westward Whiskey, uh, hashtag Westward Whiskey. Uh, our website is just westwardwhiskey.com. Our is probably the easiest place to track us down. But, you know, Facebook, we're, you know, Westward Whiskey. Instagram or Westward Whiskey. So. And what about you? Me? Uh, gosh, I don't even know. I think I'm, uh, uh, you know, C. Krogstad at Westward Whiskey. Okay. You know, I'm not really good at the social media. <laughs> I probably need a social media mentor or something. Yeah. Well, I think you've got a couple people here that do this stuff. Yeah. They're me. so much better at me. I just, I just. You know, I, I stand in awe of what they do. Now, whenever somebody comes in, one of our listeners comes to Portland, they're yeah. here on business or yeah. they're just here on vacation or traveling. Um, yeah. They come to the airport, they might have a layover or something going overseas. What can they expect in tour? What's a tour cost? Do you yeah. Walk me through so, that. So we do, yeah, the, thanks. Uh, thanks for that layup. Uh, so we do uh, we do tours now. The uh, Oregon's open uh, opened up. We're uh, you know we're 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 hopefully beating COVID, but we're doing tours again. Um, uh, we do individualized tours. We try to have um, we're kind of moving away from that sort of cattle call tour and tasting to having more personalized, so that you have. You make a reservation, you've got uh, someone to take you through and then guide you on a tasting. Uh, I think it's $20 for the tour and the tasting uh, through our whiskey lineup. Uh, it's a really fun, um, great way to get ex to, to learn what we're doing. It takes about an hour, hour and a quarter to go through that. Uh, also, if you're even just changing planes at uh, PDX at Portland Airport, we have a it was actually the first um, distillery tasting room uh, in the country uh, that was in an airport. So we're out on Concourse C at PDX Airport. Uh, you can grab a cocktail. You can grab an old fashioned with Westward. You can taste through a flight. You were past security, so you can pick up a bottle and, and put it in your carry-on. Um, so it's pretty convenient. Uh, so there's two options and we have a couple other tasting rooms around town. Any discounts here for like military or veterans at the distillery? Uh, you know, I don't know. Well, you're the founder. I mean, well, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't run the front of the house. You know, that's a great question. I should right. find out about that. And, and I think we should make that, uh, that's, it's probably something that we're going to implement because. Or two veterans in here talking yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, no. If if we're not doing it, we're 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 going to. I think so. Well, we would appreciate that for especially for our men and women that that serve and stuff. And I'm sure they would appreciate oh, yeah. that. Get some people, more people in your doors. Yeah. yeah. Um, listeners, you definitely need to stop by here. You see Christian in here walking around. You need to grab him and and try to pull some knowledge out of it. He's very passionate about his whiskey. He took me and Mitch all the way through their distillery. We met some of your staff, um, some bright young people back there. Um, you could tell we talked to one young passionate. lady. Oh yes, very passionate. Uh, I could tell they there was not a person back there that wasn't smiling, and that's something that uh, speaks volumes of your staff and, and to you that you've hired 
bright young minds to lead this place into the future. Is there anything in the, that's coming down the pike for you guys that you're about to release or want to shock you know, the whiskey world with? <laughs> uh, you know, really, I think that we have, there's so many people who've never even tried any of our products that, that you know, I keep coming back to the original Westward American Single Malt, the, the, the blue label that we produce. Um, uh, you know, I really try to just really come back to that because that's the whiskey that I set out to make. Sure. Uh, there are going to be obviously some some new things coming out. We, we uh, for how strictly we control our fermentations, we really went out on a limb and, and, and uh, have developed a, a a whiskey line or not a whiskey line, but we made several batches of uh, whiskey using a, a sourdough starter, using a, a Levan from sourdough. Um, and it's going to be part of our regular lineup uh, sometime probably in 2023. So far it's been selling out every time we released it in the, in, in our whiskey club. And I guess that's something else I would mention. Um, if you're interested in these uh, smaller batch, uh, single barrel or, 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 or experimental batch releases, uh, our whiskey club is uh, actually going national uh, fairly soon. And so uh, you can find out information about our whiskey club on our website, westwardwhiskey.com. And, uh, but that's where we, that's kind of where we do our beta testing for, for, if we're excited about some new, you know, we've got six barrels of something we just put down that we just bottled up. That's, we want to test it out sure. and it's really like, we're excited about it. Um, these are the only, you know, 1500 bottles in the world. Um, and that's, you know, that's how most of it. Now, do you guys have a single barrel where somebody can come in here and oh, buy a barrel? Oh, yeah. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, actually, it's, that's, been, uh, that's been really surprising how, um, uh, you know, that last year that was 20% of our sales was, was liquor stores or individuals or bars coming in and, you know, going out to the rickhouse and tasting through barrels and selecting one and, and, you know, putting it in, a, you know, uh, we have these nice now metal um, bands down here, uh, you know, metal private barrel labels. Um, they're really cool. I'll show nice. you one before you go. Nice. Um, but yeah, we do definitely do a lot of that. Um, uh, you know, at first it was a little tricky to get our distributor to, to understand small, you know, limited run um items but now i think we've got the, the the kinks ironed out and yeah uh absolutely the single barrel offerings are really fun awesome once again thank you for so much for having us in let me taste through your whiskey um hopefully we can get some more people in your door now that the yeah. pandemic's not over but it's 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 it's, it's calming down simmering down so yeah so listeners you can find us on all social medias you can find us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, uh, heck, I don't know, Twitter, everything out there, you can find us on there. Uh, check us out. 
you, we also have a private Facebook group called the Bourbon Roadies. You got to be 21. You got to like bourbon. Who doesn't like bourbon? And you got to agree to play nice because we don't tolerate any rudeness in there. Uh, we just want people to celebrate whiskey and their love for whiskey. You could post up a bottom shelfer in there. And we want everybody to celebrate that. We want you to celebrate your birthdays in there. We want to celebrate uh, a person's life, uh, a birth, anything, a retirement. We want you to lift up the whiskey world. So that's what we do inside there. We also have a website, thebourbonroad.com. You can find our swag in there, especially our T-shirts, the Bourbon Bullshitter T-shirt. You can find our Bourbon Road T-shirt in there. You can find our whiskey glass from Distillery Products and our hat. Go in there and buy those products. Um, if you're a roadie, you get 10% off for 2021. So make sure you go in there and check it out. We also have my articles that I write in there, blogs and reviews from Adam Boothby. Go in there and check those articles out. They're not necessarily about the episode, but just kind of what I'm thinking about with the whiskey world that day. So go in there and check that out. Another thing we'd like for you to do is if you're listening to this right now, we want you to scroll on up, hit that subscribe button. That'll let you know that we're releasing a new episode. On Mondays, we do a craft distillery review where we'll take and kind of tear apart a whiskey and review it. Um, sometimes we'll throw in a big boy in there, but usually it's a craft distillery. 15, 20 minutes at the most. Um, that'll let you go through there and see if you really do want to buy something or visit that distillery and buy some of their whiskey. And then on Wednesdays, we'll sit down with some fine folks like Westwood Whiskey. We'll do an hour-long show for you. Most people do a 30-minute commute to work anyways, so that'll get you to work and back home. You can hear my beautiful voice on there, Jim's beautiful voice. We want you to subscribe, though. So subscribe. The last thing we'd like you to do is scroll on down. Scroll on down, hit that five-star review. Because you know what happens if you don't hit that five-star review? My alter ego, my wrestling ego comes out. The big, bad booty daddy of bourbon's going to come. I want to bring my bottle. Never can tell what's going to happen when I leave your house. I know I'll leave with an empty bottle. So leave us that five-star review. We love it. Um, you can find us um, on Instagram, like I said. Reach out to us. That's the best place to reach us. Tell us about what you want to hear, places you want us to visit, distilleries. We'll, we'll try to get to them. Um, Jim can be found at jshannon63. I'm One Big Chief, and we'll see you on down the Bourbon Road. <laughs> Thank you.